0: Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're A One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. So usually my mom is watching Zealand, but she can't help us anymore. So when I say I'm down here alone, I literally mean Sid's taking Zealand upstairs right now, and I'm down here alone, but I know I'm not alone because we're separate, but not separated. I know y'all are with me. I know that uh, you're for me. And I know as I preach the gospel that God is in this, but I had somebody, I'm going to show you all these that didn't want me to feel alone. So this is, they brought me, they brought me these balloons. Look at these so that there'd be faces on them so that I could preach to these faces. Okay. And so I'm going to get into the scriptures here, I thought I'd just start a little light because I'm gonna have no chill once we get into tonight. Um, The message tonight is one so heavy on my heart and the apostle Paul has no chill in these scriptures. So as I read the scriptures, I want you to do this with me wherever you are right now. I want you to get up on your feet right now. I hope you got your Bible ready. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But I want us to stand for the reading of the word tonight. And I'm not just going to be preaching the the faces on these balloons right here that somebody gave me. But I'm going to be preaching right now directly to your heart, to your soul, to your need, to your circumstance. And the word of God is going to impact your life in such a powerful way. Way. So I'm gonna go here to Philippians. I'm gonna be in chapter one, majority of tonight. And as you're standing, wherever you are, this is something that we do when we're in the same space, but why not do it while we're in the same presence of God right now as well? I'm gonna start at verse 20. That's where we ended last week, and I think it's a beautiful pickup to go into this week. Philippians 1, verses 20 to 30. The apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, I eagerly expect and hope that while I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, here's where it hits. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Lord, this is your word. We receive your word and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, with this word to speak so directly to our hearts that we could not run from this word. We could not pretend that we didn't hear it, but it's going to move us, shake us and shape us. Like probably I believe we've never felt before because your word is anointed. I believe this night just has a presence of God on it. So we're gonna believe tonight God that this word is going to shape us. This, this word is changing us from the inside out and that your word as it leaves your mouth For our hearts, for our ears, for every part of us tonight, it will not return void. But Lord, your word as it's spoken now from my physical mouth, but your spiritual mouth to every life is going to do something special. We thank you for this. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand up. Stay standing for a second. This is what we would do when we're in the same location. So I thought I would bring it here while we're in quarantine. Um, I'll be seeing you in a second. Last week... I talked about the chains of quarantine. And I love how theologian Warren W. Wiresby he wrote down from our text last week, as I was looking at Philippians 12 to 20, he wrote this in one of his commentaries. I love this. He said, Because of Paul's chains, Christ was known. And because of Paul's critics, Christ was preached. But because of Paul's crisis, Christ was magnified. Now, if you take Philippians 1, verse 20, I just read it in the NIV, it says that Christ will be exalted in my body. But in the New King James Version, it says that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And my question is, as we are standing in the presence of God right now, how is it possible for little old us to magnify the creator of us. How is it possible for us to magnify who He is when His name is so much bigger? His ways are so much bigger than us. How can we magnify Him? I would give you this. Think about it in terms of a star and a telescope. A star in outer space is so much bigger than a telescope. The magnitude of that star The brilliance of that star, the size of that star is so much greater than a telescope. Yet, the telescope magnifies that star and draws it closer to us. Can I tell you that in the same way, Christ seems distant to unbelievers. Christ seems like some cosmic Santa Claus, some distant thought something so far from them that they cannot believe they cannot grasp a hold of but can i tell you that as unbelievers are watching us remember i talked about that that quote says paul's chains Paul's critics and Paul's crisis. Can I tell you that in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of what's happening in the world right now, this is the time that people that do not believe upon Jesus Christ, that they think he is so distant, you know what they're doing? They might not know where to find him to see him, but they know where to find us and see us. And they set their eyes on us. And you know what happens? As they set their eyes on us, we become that telescope that maybe to them that star is distant. But as we now zone in on that star and we magnify Jesus, as he's magnified in our life, we actually are bringing him closer to their lives. He's becoming bigger in their life. He's becoming more real in their life. And we are magnifying who Jesus is. This message tonight is a message about magnifying Jesus Christ in our lives. So whether you are in chains, whether it is the critics coming against you, or whether it is the crisis and circumstance of your life, when people see us, they would see Jesus. They would look at our lives because he's exalted in our body, life or death. He is magnified in our circumstances. As we just prayed even earlier about people struggling with the loss of a a grandma or mental health or temptations, as we now see Jesus magnified in our situation, that we say, you know, we're not perfect, but people can look to our life because even in our imperfection, the perfection of Jesus Christ is made known because we magnify him. As people look at us, I promise you, they are gonna draw closer to Jesus because of you. Pray with me one more time. I wanna pray one more time right now. And I wanna just say, Jesus, be magnified. God, help us to receive this word. God, help us to receive this word so deep. I'm not believing right now that I'm just preaching to a camera, that I'm not just in my basement by myself, but I'm believing for the saints, the people of God, people that would even hear this word that are far from God, that they're going to draw and join the family of God with us. I'm believing God that as we magnify your holy name, as we lift you up, as we dig into your word tonight, that you're going to do something so extravagant in our hearts that we can only walk away tonight and be talking about Jesus. We can only walk away tonight and give claim that what happened in this next few moments could have only been God. So Holy Spirit, we magnify you. Father, we magnify you. the name of Jesus, we magnify you, King of Kings. Lord of Lords, speak to us, move in us. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Hey, I pray like three times in like five minutes, but I'm telling you, I want the Holy Spirit to be invited in each of our lives tonight. Hey, you may be seated here if you are actually standing with me. I stand the whole time, so I, I ain't about that seed of life. I got I got too much of the word in me tonight. I might just let loose a little bit and get going a little crazy, but I got my balloons here like I told you to preach to as well. Let's get into this. Man, guys, this, this word is going to hit you. It's already been hitting me, man. Paul comes out of the gate. He's like, he's taking no prisoners. He's for real here. I mean, he's coming out of the gate verse 21. Let's start there. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, this hits you right between the eyes. Now understand, Paul's not trying to exaggerate anything here. He's not trying to be dramatic with this statement. He knew exactly what his purpose is and he knew where to put his focus. He knew who his God was and he knew the purpose of his life but look how this verse starts off. He says, for to me, just stop there. He's saying, I don't know what anybody else is up to. I don't know what anybody else thinks, and I don't really care, but if I could just make it clear, he says, for to me, and then he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. you catching that. For to me, I don't know what anybody else thinks, and I honestly don't care what anybody else thinks. But if I could just tell you, for to me, and that just hits me, those three words right there, what if what we had to think about was only Jesus and not what everybody else thinks of us? He gave little thought to what anybody else thought. He cared about what Jesus thought. What if we stopped caring about what the trends are and what other people think and what's popular and what's current? What if all we cared about is what God thought of us? What if all we cared about is what God had to speak to us? The apostle Paul here, he's saying, you know what? I don't know what everybody else thinks, but for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, he's saying. I don't know about everybody else. I ain't concerned about everybody else. I ain't checking what social media has to say. I mean, they didn't have it back then, but you get the point for us. I ain't checking with what, what, what the critics have to say. I ain't checking what the scholars have to say. I ain't checking what, what anybody else has to say, except right here, what God has to say. And I don't care about what anybody else has to say. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain when I was in college, I was just caught up with this verse. I mean, I'd read it all the time. I I truly believed in college um, that I was going to, and I still very much could be, I thought it was going to happen at that time. I believed with all my heart that I was going to be a martyr for the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning I would be killed for serving Jesus Christ and for declaring Jesus Christ. And I look at here, this verse, and it takes me back to college. I remember I was obsessed with this verse, especially I was 21 years old and I was so intrigued with what Paul had to say. I I wrote a blog about it. You do not want to look up that blog. It is not a good, it ain't like the weird one blog, like what some of our students are writing. It was not a good write by any means. But I remember writing about it, just thinking so much about this verse, thinking so much about what did he mean here? Like, what was he really saying? And I remember at that time, and I'm going to read you some translations. They didn't have all these different translations, so I didn't have all of these different thought processes and people helping bring clarity and stuff. <clears throat> and I would often just think about what the Apostle Paul meant. So I want to read some other translations, help give us some perspective to live as Christ and to die as gain. Look at in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> in the New Living Translation, it translates for to me, living means living for Christ and dying even better. In the amplified version, for to me, to live is Christ. He is my source of joy. My reason to live and to die is gain. Meaning, for I will be with him in eternity, the amplified version says. The passion translation says, my true life is the anointed one. And dying means gaining more of him. In the message translation, it says, alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. What he's saying is, this is life versus even more life. I can't lose. Man, I love that. That is so powerful. Life versus more life. I can't lose. See, this is why we don't have to fear death. Because right now we get life. And the next life, we just get more life. And when you're on Team Jesus, see, you can't lose. Because right now, life in him is a beautiful thing but you know what waits us awaits us next him and heaven awaits us next Team Jesus you cannot lose life and more life if you've ever seen those shirts that say ball is life and it has like the Nike logo or a basketball symbol or something like that or you got like the the cheerleading like, horn thing or the pom-poms, whatever it says, you know, cheer is life. Or there's like the dancer dance is life. Like I looked some of them up on Google and there's all these different blank is life sort of things. See, what Paul is demonstrating here is he would speak to whether it be an athlete or whoever it be. He's demonstrating from verse 21 that some of you, you might say ball is life. You might say art is life. You might say your car is life, whatever it is. You might be saying some different things. But what he's saying is y'all can say whatever you want. For to me, Jesus is life. He's making it so abundantly clear. Y'all can think whatever you want to think about what is life. But he's saying, for to me, Jesus is the only thing that is life. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, you know what? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The devil's coming to just take from you, to just suck life out of you. But he's saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Like I ain't wanting to take anything from you. I'm actually wanting to give you something that you can't have without me. I'm wanting to give you life and give you the fullest life that you ever had. See, when Jesus is life, you have the fullest life, but you also have the fullest and greatest death that you could ever have. Because with Jesus, it is life, and then just more life that keeps going. You can't lose with Jesus. Life versus more life. So in Philippians 1.21, when you take this verse, really it's a test of what you value most, what you say is most important to you, what you find life in. The title of my message tonight is blank is life. You're gonna have to fill in that blank. You are gonna have to be the one to decide how you would fill in the blank of your life of what you think true life is all about. I think everybody listening could answer one of two, maybe three ways. One, honestly, you would just say, uh, well, two ways. One, honestly, you would say, you know what? I want to say Jesus. I know that's the right answer to say, but if I was being really honest, I would say, no, it's not Jesus. Others of you also honestly would say it's not Jesus because you don't have a relationship. And maybe the other other side, the other feeling would be, you know what? Jesus is life. I can really say that. I think we all have to be so honest tonight to say how would we actually Fill that in. I want you to take that scripture, Philippians 1, okay? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this in your notes and leave some blanks in it. For to me, to live is blank and to die is blank. I want you to leave those blanks there and I want you to, to look really honestly at that and ask yourself, how would you fill that in? The apostle Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like it only gets better with Jesus even after this life, but it's so great with him even in this life. He is life. Jesus is life. But for you, it's blank is life. Now take this scripture, and I want you to either fill that in, or at least honestly as I'm preaching, think about this. How would you fill that this in? For to me, maybe you would say to live is popularity, and to die is just being forgotten. Are you living, are you believing that life is just, fame or popularity or what people think of you or hitting some status and that when you die at that point you're just eventually maybe forgotten or maybe even you would say popularity or fame and you wish you could get to the point where you'll you'll always be remembered when you die. You'll be a legacy. You'll be uh, some some star on Hollywood Boulevard or some people, some, you know, songs sung about a a person like Elvis or whoever would be like, are you wanting to live on forever? I don't know. Maybe you would say for to me, to live, if you're being honest, is making money. Maybe some of you even prioritize your job and making money and things like that over even God and spending time with Him or being involved in the church when we actually could come in a physical location. And now maybe you're here watching online. You're like, man, I could have gone to church all those times. And now I can't even go in that building at Gateway and meet with all we are one. And the only thing we have now is online. And you took it for granted because maybe to you, you said to live is making money. And then to die is just leaving it all behind. You realize that's how it works, right? Like you think you can live for this and you can live to be making money. You can live to be wealthy or whatever it is. But when you die, it's just all left behind. Or maybe others of you, you would say, for to me, to live is friends. To die is being alone. Like life, man. Like If I can really have life to the fullest, like abundant life, that's having friends, man. That's like people liking me, people want to hang in, hanging out with people that want to hang out with me, people that care about me, that's life. Death for me, like to die, that's like being alone. That's like that's just being lonely. What are you filling the blank with? If you were to take that scripture and honestly look at it, how would you fill it in? Could you honestly, like the apostle Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain, or are you filling it? A little different. Because see, the Apostle Paul, he knew that life or death still meant Jesus. He knew that life, living, meant that he got to have the fullest life in Jesus. But he also knew that death meant he gets to have everlasting life with Jesus. So life here means life in Jesus. Death there in heaven with him means life in Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he knew this. So that's why he even said, in verses 23 to 24, he said, I'm torn between the two, the like these choices. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now understand what the apostle Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about giving up his life or taking his life. This is not like a, a suicidal thought or anything by any means. He's referring to having such 2020 focus, having such 2020 vision on Jesus that all he wants is more of Jesus. All he cares about, however he can get it, all that he cares about is having more of Jesus. He understands that he could go home to be with Jesus at any time. He understands that not only has he gone through so much hardship, so many trials, beatings and imprisonments and shipwrecks and all these things that at any point he could be executed or whatever could happen in his life, but it was so much bigger than that. He knew that our days are numbered by God and that no one knows when our our last breath and when our time is going to be. And so he knew he had to keep his eyes so focused and his heart so ready. I would say this. Are your eyes focused and your heart ready? That literally, boom, right now Jesus could come back, or boom, one of us could die of whatever it is, and that we know our eyes are focused and our heart is ready to go be with Him. That's what the apostle Paul was saying. He's saying, "I'm ready, God. Whenever it's my time, I'm ready." And so he knew that he that in while he had this life, he had to use it correctly. That's why he said in verse 22, he said, "If I'm going to go on living in the body, if I'm going to be here, this." Will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. What shall I choose? He said it's like, if I could choose, I don't know, man. Like I don't, I don't know. What what should I choose? Like we just read earlier in verse 23 that he's saying he's torn. He so badly wants to be with Jesus. Now, I understand this is a hard concept for younger people to understand. For like all of you listening, and even me, I'll put me in this category. It's hard for me to understand because even at 32, As much as I know I could go home to be with Jesus at any time, death just feels so far away to me. It just doesn't feel like it's something that's knocking on my door or right there. It's so far away. So I'm in no rush to die because I feel like I could have plenty of life left. I don't know when I'll die, but it is hard for me to get in that frame of mind. I know it could be for you. Like when I talk to my dad or even my papa, they talk different. And it's not that my dad is old, but he just knows like he's lived a pretty good life he's turning 60 years old this year like he's lived a pretty long life so far not as long as obviously i wanted to live much longer but he knows he could go home at any point to even the point him and my papa they long to go home to be with jesus my mom my grandma like they long to go home to be with jesus like i i'm maybe not there in the same way because i'm like hey there's kind of a still a lot left here to do on earth and I, I imagine that's how a lot of you are thinking but I understand with the apostle paul here he's like i long to be with him like it's all i think about it's all i want like i would say that's where i think some of us struggle and where some of us need to to engage our hearts with god more is like do you ever think about wanting to be with him and be in heaven do you ever think about finally when this is all done that we get to be with Him in heaven? Do you ever long to actually like stand in His presence? Because if you're not, that's another place where we need to check our hearts. We need to say, you know what, like, God, maybe I'm not like itching to die, but we should be longing to be with Him. Now, when the Apostle Paul is speaking here, as we lean into verse 22, look at the first half of it, he says, if I am to go on living in the body, This means fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. Look at that first half. If I am to go on living in the body, like, so my time isn't here yet. So if I'm gonna go on living in the body, then he's saying, I want it to be fruitful. We have to make a decision that if we're gonna live, and we are, if you're here, you're listening, you got breath in your lungs, God is not taking you home yet. Can I tell you, you have to choose to live because God made you right now to live. That is why we are here. We're here to live. Until he takes us home, we're here to live on this earth. And in the meantime, if we're going to do that, we got to make it count. It needs to be fruitful, fruitful as the apostle Paul just said. He said, "This will mean fruitful labor for me." Meaning, I'm not going to waste it. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to be fruitful with this life that I've been given. Like you have to live life in such a way that you're fruitful continuing each day in what God has now, yet you're also believing for what he has next. Meaning at any time, you're living your life in such a way that at any moment, if Jesus comes back, or if you were to die, you're ready. You are ready for heaven. You are ready for the next life, more life, abundant life, like we can never even imagine with Jesus. You're ready. The only way to be ready, though, is if you're being fruitful. Now, as much as Paul desired to be with Jesus he said to the church at Philippi, remember he said, it's more necessary for you, meaning the church at Philippi, like you all, it's necessary that I remain in the body and I don't go home to be with Jesus. And then in verse 25 and 26, convinced of this, he said, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, Your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. He's saying, if I'm going to be here, it's going to be fruitful, and I'm going to do it for you. Paul wanted to keep his feet planted on the earth for one reason. He wanted to do it for others. He wanted to do it for the church. He wanted to make sure that he could help bring joy in the faith, it says, into their lives so that they could follow Jesus with a joy and a greater faith. He said that their joy, catch this, this really kind of, um, I don't know, made me really analyze what do people, like, what am I doing in people's life of significance and how I'm either leading them or how I'm loving them or whatever. He said that their joy in Christ would overflow because of him. Are you catching that? Other people's joy would overflow because he is here alive in what he's doing, what he's speaking, what he's praying. His impact was so huge. Do you realize that you have the ability to see other people's joy overflow because of you? You have the ability to see other people's faith increased because of you. Your life matters and your life was not made for you. That's the crazy thing is God put life and breath in me but it wasn't made for me. It was made to glorify Him, and it was made to encourage others. It was made to love others. It was made to see other people's faith and joy increased because of me. And so many times we get caught up living for ourselves, and we forget we were never made for ourselves. We were never made to live for ourselves. Our life matters because God put breath inside of you so that you could use that to minister to others. Paul exemplified this. He lived a life of sacrifice. He lived a life of of serving people, genuine care for the believers at Philippi or read any of the New Testament. Like he cared for the church. And this is what God's calling us to. God is calling us to realize right out of the gate to live as Christ, to die as great gain. Well, if I'm gonna live as I live for Christ, Christ lived to serve others. So I'm going to live as I live for Christ. I'm going to live. For others as well. Can I tell you that the reason we're broadcasting, the reason we're going through all this, the reason that we'll, we'll struggle with technical difficulties and all that stuff is because your life matters and the gospel has to get out. People have to know about Jesus. You have to be empowered by the word of God because your life matters. And your walk with God matters. People seeing your walk with God matters. You are the telescope pointing to him, the star, the son of God, the greatest star in all the universe. It literally says that he is a star and describes him as that in the Bible. And then he is son, not S-U-N, but S-O-N, the son of God. And our life is made to point to him, to magnify him. And your life matters. And can I tell you, because your life matters, the way we live matters. Like what we do in this life, it matters. It just does. Like whether or not we choose to follow Jesus or live in our sin, live for ourselves or live for others, it matters. So Paul gets to Philippians chapter one verse twenty-seven, and he goes, he goes, what happens? I'm just going to stop right there. He says, whatever happens, I'll, let me stop there. He goes, conduct yourselves. And he says those. he goes, whatever. Happens. Stop there. Take that for a second. Whatever happens, no matter what you go through, no matter whether the broadcast went out on me, I'm still going to finish preaching strong. No matter whether you go through trial or hardship or pain, no matter whether you go through loss of family members, loss of a job, no matter what you go through, no matter what happens, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is a big statement right there. He says, whatever happens, don't let anything stop you from conducting yourself in a way that is honoring God, in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. He said, don't let your season, don't let your circumstance, don't let anything dictate your life, dictate what with what you're going through of, of whether or not you're going to conduct yourself in a way that honors the Lord. Whatever happens, like in your life, conduct yourself in a way that it honors the Lord in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that he shed his blood on the cross so that you could have, the gospel that he proved with an empty tomb that's worth living for, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that he paid for for us so that we could even preach this message tonight, so that you could receive it and preach it and share it with others, so that our life could magnify his holy name. Don't let anything dictate or decide whether or not you're going to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. You have to choose to say, my life matters, therefore the actions of my life matters. What I live for matters. How I fill in the blank, it matters. So I'm going to conduct myself in a way that when people see my life, I can magnify the name of Jesus and people will not look to me, but they will turn their eyes from me and on to Jesus. He says, then whether I come And see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way of those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Paul's telling the church that if they aim to live their lives, and I'm telling you tonight, if you will aim to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel, then even, Paul's saying to the church, even if he never sees them again, even if he, he's executed and his trial moves on to execution as he's under house arrest, I would even tell you, if I never get to see you again, if this is the last message I ever get to preach, all that I care is knowing that you are living your life in a way that is honoring the Lord, in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, because as long as I can know that in my heart, if I never see you again, he's saying, as long as that's in my heart, then we can be unified, even though we're 800 miles away, separate places, even though I'm in chains and you're over here in Philippi, I can still be unified with you and we can contend for the faith of the gospel. I love this word usage. Are you catching this? He says, contend. I mean, now in the Roman world, they were all about athletics. I mean, they had some intense athletics, all about the athletic competitions. So when he uses the word contend, He's using it intentionally to talk about the competitive nature of the culture. Contend is part of the word contender. A contender is a person or a group competing to achieve something. A contender, like a synonym for a contender, contender would be considered like a title holder, a finalist, a front runner, a champion. So when he's saying that we are going to contend as one, For the faith of the gospel, he's saying we're going to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and we're going to contend as one, unified. We are one. We are going to contend For the faith of the gospel. When he's saying this, look at he's saying, We're contending as one, unified for one mission, a competition, a life and death, heaven and hell kind of competition that we are contending for. We are fighting for souls. We are contending for souls. So I'm telling you, if people, he's saying, if people oppose you, don't be scared of them. Because they'll have to just deal with God on their own because we're contending for their soul. We're sharing the gospel with them. We're praying for them. But listen, it's people's choice on whether or not they want to choose Jesus. It is simply only our choice on whether or not we will be willing to share him. And so as we unify ourselves, we receive this message and we contend with one another together to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with faith of the gospel, it says here. Why are we continuing to meet like this? Have you thought about this? Why did, like, this is a lot of work. I don't even know, like, in post, when this message goes up, how it's gonna be edited. I don't even know how much of this you guys all saw with the broadcast. I honestly don't. I'm down here just sharing it, believing that people are receiving it, but why do we go through this much work? Why do we go through this much planning, Why do we go through all the testing? Why do we do the designs and the videos and write this sermon and do all the different worship things we're doing? Why do we continue to meet and do this? Even if online, weekly, even daily, why are we continuing to gather? Because we are standing firm together and this is our contending as one for the faith of the gospel. This is what it looks like right here. This is what it looks like that even when a crisis, even when a hardship, even when anything is coming against us, we're saying we're not giving up. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep living it. You know what the world needs? They don't need one more sermon. They need people to take their lives seriously that say, I'm going to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. I'm going to unify myself with people that are doing the same thing. The church, we are one. We have our church, Gateway Assembly, the universal church across the board, across the whole globe, the church of Jesus Christ. You know what it needs? It doesn't need more sermons. It needs more people living out a sermon, not preaching with their words, but preaching with their lives. And here, as he's, as he's, as he's saying this, he's saying, as you do this, as you live this out, live in a way, live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And as you do that, you will unify yourselves, and you will contend together. Why are we going through all this? Why are we doing this? Because this is our contending as one for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, some will receive the message of Jesus and others won't. But our goal is that no matter what happens, we have to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What what happens when we do this. See, when we magnify Jesus Christ, it not just makes him bigger, but it draws him closer. Something that would seem so distant to people now becomes something so relevant and real and close to them. Guys, the goal is very simple. The goal is to make Jesus look good. Not ourselves, not our social media, not our platforms. You know, if I'm just being honest for a second, you know what I was thinking about when everything's going wrong with the tech? I might as well talk about it because it all went wrong. I'm thinking, oh, this man, this makes our YouTube channel look so bad. This makes the live look so bad. Oh, we put so much work into this and it, it didn't turn out the way I wanted. That's the first thing I'm, I'm thinking about. And the, immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me. And you know, I would even just say this. I don't care. I, don't, I honestly don't care if this looks good. I don't care even in the cut afterwards if this works out. Do you know what I care about? I care about the stuff written and read in my sermon that is the scripture or the apostle Paul where he's speaking and he's giving us truth. That's all I care about. You can literally edit out every other word that I said as long as the gospel of Jesus Christ comes through because ultimately all that I care is that I make Jesus look good. If in the meantime, I don't look good, if in the meantime, I am in chains, if in the meantime, my life goes through such hardship that you know I look like a wreck, I look like a mess, fine, as long as Jesus looks good. Paul ends this section, he goes in, in verse 29, 30, and this is essentially what he's saying. He's saying, for it has been granted to you, the Philippians, and can I say this? It has been granted to us, it has been given to us on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but it's so much bigger but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you had you saw I had and now here that I have still I don't know if you're catching this but li- listen last week I preached about chains Last week I preached about The chains of quarantine, the chains, look at this, the chains that the Apostle Paul wore. And look what he's saying now. He's saying, you know what? It's not just me that's wearing the chains for Christ, but now you are also going through the same struggles that I am. They believed in Jesus to such a degree. They even followed the example of the Apostle Paul to such a degree that they were willing Just as he wore chains, wore the hardship, wore the trials, wore wore these intense things, just as he did it, they also were willing to do it. Because they weren't willing to just believe in Jesus. But they were willing also to suffer for his name. I asked the question last week, I can't remember exactly how I said it, but something along the lines of, what are you willing to go through, through to make sure that the gospel is advanced? What are you willing to give up to make sure it's advanced? Are you willing to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ? Are we? Because in America, things just look so comfy cozy. Even in quarantine, you know, I was talking to a pastor about this the other day. He was just saying, you know what? Like, even in quarantine, we have all the food we need. We have everything we need. It's like, although, yes, there's sickness, there's death. It's, it's a serious thing. People are going through actual things. Still, it's still pretty comfy cozy overall compared to the rest of the world, and especially compared to this time that the Apostle Paul was going through. Like, who knows what kind of struggles or opposition are up ahead? Who knows if like literally one day we won't be able to actually gather in our church and this will be the only way an underground church hit somehow like this is set up online where it's a hidden link where like, people where the government or something couldn't find it, where they're going to shut us down or something. Who knows if one day that literally is what we could go through. Who knows what kind of persecution we might have to go through one day, what kind of suffering we might have to go through one day. I don't know. I I don't know what the hardship is going to be. I don't know what the future holds. All that I know now more than ever is that Jesus is coming back very soon. Jesus is coming back for us. And he's looking for a church that's being fruitful. He's looking for a people that realize their lives matter. He's looking for a people that will magnify who he is. He's coming back so soon for us. And I don't want to just believe in him. I want to be willing to say, Lord, my life is yours. Even unto suffering, even unto struggle and opposition, my life is yours. And I want to stand firm, contending as one with all of you through anything I go through. Stand firm. Whatever the struggle is, stand. Whatever the suffering is, stand. And I don't want to just stand on my own, but I want to stand even though I know we're not in the same room. I want to stand believing that together we're standing firm, united, contending for the gospel, contending with faith, believing what Jesus is going to do. I want to stand for the name of Jesus, believing that God is going to save souls during this time, believing that somebody will even find this message hopefully later and they will come repent, turn to Jesus. That's what I'm believing for. Blank is life. That's the title of my message. Blank is life. How are you filling in that blank? Are you filling it in with Jesus? Or are you filling it in with yourself? Are you filling it in with your wants? Are you filling it in with His how are you filling that in? What do you say is life? I remember when I played basketball and I, I just, I'm reminiscing and they'll be like, man, ball is life. And I, I remember that some of them literally thought all that there was was basketball. They slept and they ate and they drank and they lived basketball. And I remember like that. That's all they thought there was. And now, you know what? <laughs> they ain't playing professionally. Most of them didn't even play college ball. They weren't even that good really when you look at it. There is nothing on this earth worth living for. There's nothing. So, as the Apostle Paul said in verse 21 For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There's nothing else. It's literally Jesus. This life, Jesus. The next life, Jesus. If I die, awesome, because I gained more of Jesus. If I live, awesome, because I'm going to live with everything I have to be fruitful in my labor, to make it count, to make my life understand that it matters. My life matters for your life and your life matters for me. My life matters for my family. My life matters for my neighbors. My life matters for people I've never met. For some people that might find this message or some person I might randomly run into when this quarantine is all done, and I'm just gonna have a conversation with them, my life matters for them because my life wasn't made for me. My life was made for others. My life wasn't made for me. My life was made to magnify the holy name of Jesus Christ. So listen, I don't know what your decision is. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know how you will answer this and how you will fill in the blank. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want you to really zone in right now. We've been going through all the technical difficulties. We've been getting through this broadcast. But listen, I don't want to just get through this. I want to I want to thrive through this. I want to see people turn to Jesus like they have never have after this. I want to look at this and say, you know what, any opposition, anything that we're going through, it's fine because we are contending as one for the faith of the gospel. That's what I want to believe. And so I'm going to believe that right now. And I want you to believe with me. But if there's somebody out there that you cannot fill in that blank correctly. And if you're being really honest, you're not giving some church answer or or whatever kind of answer you would give, but if you're being really honest, you're saying, I would not fill in that blank with Jesus. I would not say to die as gain, and I would not even say to live as Christ. I I wanna say it maybe, but I just, I, I wouldn't say that right now. I wanna allow right now the Holy Spirit to minister to you and to give you an opportunity right now to be able to say that, to be able to say, you know what? Before this night, I, that, I probably honestly couldn't say that. My time doesn't look like that. My money doesn't answer that way. Um, my life doesn't look that way. This is your moment tonight. This is the time that God has set up for you to give you the opportunity to say, for to me to live as Christ and even to die, I get so much more of him, I'll take it. With heads bowed, eyes closed, Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to speak to us tonight. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We're giving you all the praise. We're magnifying your name. That's, that's, that's the intention tonight, Lord. I magnify your name. If you're under the sound of my voice, if you hear me right now, if you're hearing me during the live, or you're gonna watch this and hear it later. If you hear my voice, I want this to be a voice that as it speaks to you, you hear the voice of God speaking to you right now. If you can't fill that blank with Jesus, this is your opportunity. If you wanna turn your life to Jesus, maybe even in the chat right now, if you wanna turn your life to Jesus, follow up with us, weareoneyouth.com slash online. Follow up if you're saying, I wanna turn my life to Jesus, do it right now. Comment it in the chat, follow up with us so we can be praying for you, we wanna call you, we wanna encourage you, do it right now. This is your moment to fill the blank with Jesus. Let Jesus be life. Jesus is life. If this is what you want to do in this moment, this is your time. It might have been yesterday. Come on, it's not, don't wait till tomorrow. It's today. This is your time. Turn your life over to Jesus. Maybe some of you even, you know, like you believe in Jesus and even like you, you're, you've you been a part of everything we've been doing. You even call yourself a Christian and you, uh, probably if you died, you even know, like, you would go to heaven, but you couldn't, you can't honestly say, like, the Apostle Paul, man, to live is Christ. You would feel that with other things. You've maybe given him a, a part of you, but you're still trying to surrender some more. If that's you, would you do that right now? i do it with you. Let's surrender ourselves to Jesus wholly. Let's give everything to him, every part of us, wholly and completely to him right now. Can we do that together and say, Jesus is life. How are you going to fill in the blank? For, for, To me, it's Jesus. What's it going to be for you? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed still in this moment, unless you're commenting in that chat just to, to claim Jesus, I encourage you. Can, we, can you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray it together. Say, Jesus, right now, I give you all of me. I'm sick of holding back myself from you. I'm sick of only giving you part of me. Right now, I give you all of me. I surrender everything to you. I fill in that blank with your precious name because I know that on that cross, you shed your blood for me. And you broke out of that tomb so that I could be free. So right now, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead And I claim right now I am saved. I am brand new. I'm restored. And I'm ready for heaven. God, right now I proclaim that my life matters. So I'm going to live it to the fullest. It counts. So I'm going to live it so others can see Jesus magnified in my life. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I give you all that I am. Jesus is life. In your awesome name, Jesus' name, everybody says, amen.